Lord God, we come to you this morning thanking you for our lives and our friends and our families. We thank you for a beautiful morning. We thank you that we can come before you in praise and thanksgiving. Lord, this morning we pray for the one who preaches. They call him Reverend, and that's ridiculous. We pray that we would see Jesus and him only. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I figure anytime I'm talking, I'm wrong at least half the time. The only problem for you is I don't know which half. And so for that's for you to sort out. I'd like to read today's gospel again, along with last week's, and see them as a whole. So if you'll allow me that, I'm going to do that. So starting with verse 13 from last week. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go off to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Um, We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about five thousand men besides women and children. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear, but... Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it's me, don't be afraid. We'll come back to this in a moment, but be reminded, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. I grew up in Chattanooga, and I grew up in a small little church, went with my grandparents mostly, called Faith Baptist Church. We even had a Welcome to Faith Baptist song because we were the best church in the land. I think it actually said that. And there are lots of things about Faith Baptist Church that I don't still cling to or hold to, 
But I'm not angry about it. Because while I was at Faith Baptist Church, there was this little kernel that was handed to me. And I felt it. I knew what it was. And it was the kernel of the gospel of Christ. And it was put into the ground and it's been watered ever since. And, well, except for those times that I pour gasoline all over it and try to ruin it. But as far as God's spirit is concerned, it's been growing the whole time. I was thinking about Faith Baptist. I have, I have fond memories of youth nights. In Chattanooga, we would always go to the Alpine Slide and then get pizza. And we did it that way because one time we got pizza and went to the Alpine Slide. That didn't work out so well. We had these things called progressive dinners. We'd go to the farmer's market and have salad, which would normally be a tomato and a cucumber that you would just eat standing there. We thought it was strange, but we generally all maintained several crushes throughout the youth group, so that kind of placated the fact that we were eating raw vegetables. One of my favorite things that we would do is lock-ins. This is where, apparently, there is a psychological breakdown that happens in adults, and they forget about last year's lock-in that they had (laughs) with teenagers, and they agree to lock themselves in with about 40 middle school and high school kids for the night of New Year's Eve, all while eating Little Debbie's and fruit punch. Someone always got hurt. And I was normally that someone, but it was fine. One of my favorite memories, though, as I think about my growth at Faith Baptist, and perhaps you have a Faith Baptist church memory of your own, was the flannel graph board. Do you remember the flannel graph board? Where in your mind, when you thought of the Bible, or you thought of Jesus, or God, or anything, you thought of Saturday morning cartoons. And it was in another time, in another place. I bring up the flannel graph because I'm pretty sure my first exposure to Jesus walking on the water was this blob of blue on this green background and these strange figures that would boop, boop, boop. And there's Jesus walking on the water. And I was racking my brain. I have a pretty good memory. Do I have a good memory? There we go. That's my family saying yes. Um, I don't ever forget anything. I don't remember ever hearing a sermon on Jesus walking on the water. I remember the flannel graph. Now, I know there have been allusions to Jesus walking on the water, and normally it goes something like this. Well, Jesus did this to show he was God. That's not a problem for me. I believe Jesus is God. Or this was a show of power. This was a show of divinity. And I'll tell you, as I've sat with this passage, I think there's way more going on here than that, especially if we take this together with the feeding of the 5,000. Listen to what N.T. Wright says. As far as we know, walking on water in a literal sense wasn't something the early Christians expected to do themselves. Paul, facing shipwreck, never imagined that getting out of the boat and strolling off to the shore was a viable option. So it's likely that Matthew expects his readers to hear this story in terms of their own journey of faith and their own struggles with doubt. There are many times when Jesus asks us to do what seems impossible. And there, I believe, as N.T. Wright normally does, it lands. There it is. Jesus asks us to do what seems impossible.
I'd like to put together a phrase from last week and one from this week, if you'll allow me. Both Jesus. They, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Be still. It is I. You have nothing to fear. And N.T. Wright again, Jesus asks us often to do what seems impossible. How many podcasters do we have? How many people listen to podcasts every day? Oh, it's a wonderful addiction. You can go down all the rabbit holes you want. I haven't gotten to the murder stuff yet. Anyone, any murder mystery followers in here? I know of at least one. One of my favorite podcasts is a, a man by the name of Shane Claiborne. And Shane Claiborne is, um, I'm going to call him a missionary. He lives in Philadelphia in the inner city. And he has this podcast called um, Red Letter Christians. He's 100% pro-life, so he opposes the death penalty and he opposes war. Um, he believes in feeding and clothing um, children of women who need help. 100% uh, pro-life. He actually learned to be a blacksmith so that he could take guns that were donated to him in the inner city and turn them into shovels and rakes and garden tools. Isaiah says, because of the coming of Jesus, they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, neither will they learn of war anymore. For the earth will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's good work he's doing, and hard. But I bring him up because the tagline on his podcast, I recommend it to you. And you will love how he talks. He's from East Tennessee. It's wonderful. Born, bred, and buttered, and slathered and gravy. The tagline says, we are aspiring to live as if Jesus actually meant the stuff he said. I don't know if you've noticed, but that's a risky thing to say and believe in our day. Not the things that Christians have said, not the things that we've put on Jesus. I mean the things Jesus actually said, the words in red. And it's dangerous, I'm afraid, God, forgive me if I'm wrong. I would love to be wrong. But it's dangerous, especially among people of faith, to say that. I know I mentioned Matthew 25 last time I preached, and I'm not going to lie to you. I probably will every time you ever hear me speak. I read a post that highlights Matthew 25 and the risk that we're talking about yesterday, and it read thus. In Matthew 25, Jesus describes true converts as being marked by a peculiar empathy toward the poor, the stranger, the marginalized, and the incarcerated. But he describes false converts as being outwardly religious, but marked by a peculiar callousness toward the poor, the stranger, the marginalized, and the incarcerated. Did Jesus mean the things he said? We believe he did. Can he be trusted? Well, we believe and we say that he is the exact radiance of the glory of God. 
according to Hebrews, that he is the face of God on earth. So yes, we believe he can and should be trusted and followed. So it looks like he's calling us to walk on water. It looks like he's calling us to feed the 5,000. It looks like he's calling us to do the impossible, to defy business as usual, to place ourselves in harm's way, to risk our lives, to love our enemies, to refuse to scapegoat the other, whoever that is. That sounds impossible. Well, it would be. (laughs) But there's that voice. And that voice is saying this. Be still. It is I. You have nothing to fear. You give them something to eat. Because when we in our stumbling and bumbling and broken and incomplete and incompetent way try to answer the call of Jesus to do his work on earth, we will doubt. We will fall. We will sink sometimes. We won't have enough to feed everyone. We won't have the courage or strength or purity or whatever else we need to get it done. We won't. As it turns out, that's not the point. That's when he will bend down and pull us up and with a smile on his face say, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Be still. It is I. You have nothing to fear. And that's when we will discover that he has taken our small lunch and multiplied it to the extent that there's more left over than what we started with. Jesus risks, right? Jesus risks, uh, hold on, I can't read my handwriting. Yeah, Jesus risked here in walking on the water, in doing what he did with the 5,000. And I talked, Chad and I talked about this last week, reminds me of his risk in John chapter 8. Do you remember this? The woman caught in adultery. I want to read that for you. In John chapter 8, John writes, they all went home. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, He commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus 
was left. Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Why have I read this passage? It's a breathtaking passage. So many arguments have been written about what was Jesus actually writing in the sand? We've got to figure that out because that's worth our while. And I think all of those miss an obvious point. You have angry religious men projecting all of their fill-in-the-blank brokenness and complicity onto this one woman. You notice the man is not there. And they are likely holding stones in their hands. And what does Jesus do? He bends down in front of them. Do you see that? He bends down in front of them. Don't hurt her. If you need to hurt someone, hurt me. He stands, as it were, between the accusers and the accused. And he, as always, offers himself for any other that we create. Always. And he says to us, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me right into it. Who is Jesus calling us to stand in front of for? To walk on water for in our day? Who is Jesus calling us to love in our day? Who is being scapegoated in our day by angry religious people? That is where we must go and stand and stoop down and write on the ground. And who is he calling us to love? Well, everyone, even the accusers, even those with stones in their hands, even our enemies. I hate that part. But if you're going to have Jesus, you've got to have all of Jesus. And I've got to be bothered by Jesus. We couldn't do it unless we got to hear him say, be still. It is I. You have nothing to fear. We couldn't do it unless he offered, offers us food for the journey. And he does both. And it's all 100%. All of it is grace. I love coming to this table. It tells the truth of the gospel in a way that nothing else does. Because when we come to the table, Christ lays out his spread. And we all get to come. And there are no distinctions. There are no litmus tests. There is, there are no others. Jesus has come to me, all who are weary and burdened. 
will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am meek and lowly. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we gather together and Jesus says, this is my body. This is my body, which is broken and given for you. Do this, remembering that I'm with you. I invite you to take this Eucharist with you today. And when you're on the street this week, at the pub or wherever else, I don't know why I said the pub. (laughs) Practice looking at every single person that walks by. And hearing our Lord Jesus Christ say this is my body. You have nothing to fear. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. Amen.